You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org. My name is Chris Lawrence. I'm the college pastor at Hardin Baptist Church. I want to say what an honor and privilege is to be able uh, to be preaching and teaching this morning. Uh, the last few weeks, we've been going through really what it means to be a member at Hardin Baptist Church. We've talked about uh, gathering and importance of coming here and not uh, uh, seeing the importance of really gathering and hearing the Word of God preached and teach, but not just gathering, but connecting uh, that to truly have relationships uh, with the body of Christ here with brothers and sisters at Hardin Baptist Church. And the third part is what we're going to talk about this morning is serving. Uh, serving and using our gifts and using our abilities to serve and help build up the body of Christ. Uh, for the glory of God. As uh, we in, talk through serving and think through serving, we're reminded of a guy named Holtz Schultz, Holtz Schultz. And he is from Germany and was born, uh, raised up right around uh, at the end of World War II. And around 11 years old, this man decided that he really wanted to be in the hotel industry. It's sort of uh, different because at that time, the, the country was just ravaged from the war. And, it wasn't like there's was even hotels around, but he just had this desire to do that. And uh, uh, a few years later, his parents find a job for him about 60 miles away from their living, this nice hotel. And he gets a job there doing dishes and so forth. And the mantra, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, the guy that he was reporting to uh, told him the very first day it changed his life. He said, you are not here to work. You're here to create excellence. Whether it be washing dishes changing beds, cleaning up tables, you are here to create excellence. He writes, and he was amazed by who he was working for, the manager, that how each person, the moderate, the manager, he saw who'd treat them, treat them, whether it be customer, whether it be employee, he'd always treat them like a lady or gentleman. Just so much respect. He writes a paper two years later in school when he's age 16, and he titles it his experience of working at this hotel. He says, ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. Or it comes later on, years down the road, he becomes a co-founder and president of the Ritz-Carlton. And when he gets that title, when he's running the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, that's the model the hotel picks up. Ladies and gentlemen, serving ladies and gentlemen. We're going to change it up just a little bit. At Hardin Baptist Church, we want to be image bearers of God, serving image bearers of God. And the reason I picked that is because, we, yes, we are all children of God, but we are called to serve saints and sinners. And no matter whether you're a saint or no matter whether you're a sinner, we are all image bearers of God. And we see the example of this is Jesus. And we have three points of really looking at the life of Jesus and we're going to really hit on this morning when we turn to John 13 here in a second. Those three points are this. If we're going to have excellent service involves suffering like Jesus. One. It's a good way to start a sermon. We're going to have to suffer, right? Point two. Excellent serving involves loving people by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Point three. Excellent serving involves trusting our Heavenly Father. And for us to break this down, we're going to look at John 13 as Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Would you please turn, stand up for me to read God's word from John 13. We're going to read the first five verses. <clears throat> now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that the hour has come to depart out of the world of the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 
During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. We pray that we have servants' hearts that we're willing to suffer like Jesus by the power of your Holy Spirit, trusting in our Heavenly Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, point one. All right, excellent service. If we're going to do this well, we have to realize there's times if you're going to commit to serve at Hardin Baptist Church, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be challenges. You're going to deal with hard, hard situations. Right now in First Fruits Farm, there might be a diaper that needs to be changed. Right now in some of these classes around this building, there's going to be situations that pop up that are going to involve people getting out of their comfort zone, dealing with it could be just whatever situation might be. I mean, serving can be difficult, be hard. It can humble you. I think back, we, uh, we're getting ready for our college spring break trips here in a few months, and we've been going to the Native American Reservation in Arizona for years, all right? And I was, I was uh, pondering on a group that we took several years ago. This group was just awesome. I mean, 19, 20, 21 year students, they're fired up reading God's word. They're sharing the gospel with atheists and agnostics, trying to reach the campus of Murray State. They're doing all these uh, active in church, doing all these different things and so forth. And they're going to come and they're going to serve uh, VBS to the Native American students there, third, fourth, fifth graders, can't be hard, right? And they've got this in the bag. And here they are, they're going through the meetings, they're doing this and doing that. And the first night, this is one of the biggest VBSs we ever had out there. I mean, there's just kids going everywhere. And these kids were out of control. And I remember the first night, my college students were strong, ready to go. The third, fourth, fifth graders just absolutely just dominated them. I mean, there's this, when, they, when we talk about these kids, trying to burn the building down. They literally tried to burn the building down. One of the kids at that night had matches in his pocket and was literally lighting a match, trying to set the trailer on fire, all right? So these, so our students, after that night, we have a debriefing time, we're coming back, and these 19, 20, 20 year students just, I mean, they, I mean, it was just hard. I mean, the point is this, no matter how smart you are, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how talented, no matter what your situation is, when you serve, it can be hard. It can be humbling. But the good news, Jesus set an example for us. And this example we see is how he washes disciples' feet and ultimately what he does on the cross for us. Now, when we look at this passage, we've got to ask a few questions, okay? Why would people wash people's feet in John 13? Why would this occur? Well, okay, so... During this time period, they did not have shoes like you and I have shoes. They had sandals. Sandals would get dirty. And what happened here is you would go to somebody's house, and there would be water there. That, but then not the master of the house would wash the feet, the servant of the house. So you go in there with your dirty, nasty feet. The servant of the house is going to wash feet. Now, who washes the feet in this passage? Jesus does. The master becomes the servant. Okay? Now, interesting that here he's focused on teaching the disciples about serving. And let's think through what all is going on in his life as he's doing this. One, this passage at the very beginning, his hour had come. Now, he's going back to the Father, but his hour had come to do what? Take on the sin of the world. 
In the parallel passage in Luke, it says he's desired to eat the Passover feast before he suffers. So as he's serving, he's getting ready to do what? Suffer on the cross. On top of that, in this passage, we learn what else? Satan's at work. Satan's at work with one of Jesus' own disciples. So Jesus is dealing with Satan. He's dealing with taking on the cross. And in the midst of this, he's getting down and washing some dirty feet. Why? So that the disciples will learn how to serve, to be like him. He's setting an example for them. He literally says it in the passage. Let's pick up in John. We skip down to John chapter 13, verse 12. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer, uh, outer garment, so he's, he's done washing the feet, and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and yet you're right, for, I, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also to wash another's feet. Verse 15, For I have given you what? An example that you also should do just as have I done to you. The point he's making here is he is doing this. Why is he doing this? So they will be like him and serve. He wants them to serve. And I think another question to ask, who, as he's doing this, who exactly is Jesus serving? He's serving the disciples. Okay, let's make some observations about the disciples at this time. All right? The whole point is what? The master becomes a servant. And what does he want his followers to do? To serve. You know what they do in the parallel passage in Luke? You think, oh, Jesus, you're great. We're praying. No, they do the exact opposite. You know what they do? They start debating in art. They start a debate about who is the greatest. They totally missed the point. Not only that, if you read in John 13, 6 through 11, there's people that he's bringing up in that passage. He's bringing up Peter in this conversation with Peter about Peter saying, I don't want you to wash my feet. Jesus says, you got to wash my feet. i got to wash your feet to be clean. And Peter says, I want my whole body. And Jesus says, you just need your feet washed. But there's one that's not clean. That's the one who betrays me. So we've got two people who's talking about Peter and he's got Judas. All right? Now let's think about Peter. Peter thinks these guys act together. And very shortly, what's Peter going to do? Deny Jesus three times. Guess whose feet Jesus washed? Peter. Who else does he wash? Judas, the one who betrays him. I'd sit there, I'm just blown away by this. Now, let's, let's think through this a little bit. All right, very beginning when Jesus is picking his disciples, what does he do? He prays all night. He loses a night of sleep to do what? To hear from his father of who are the people he's supposed to serve and give his life to. That's sacrifice. I mean, you sit there and think about it. We think about praying, like, Praying literally all night for you to figure out who you're supposed to serve and lead. That's what Jesus does. Judas is one of them. John chapter 12. If you look in that passage, there's another foot washing service. The disciples' feet are not getting washed. You notice whose feet are getting washed? Jesus. We have Lazarus there. We have Mary there. We have Martha there. We have all these people there and the disciples there. And Mary gets some expensive ointment, and, he, and she puts it on Jesus' feet. And if you read on in the passage, you know the reason they're doing that? It's for the burial of Jesus. Preparing him to do what? Die. And right in the middle of John chapter 12, verse 4, Judas comes on the scene. And you know what? He's mad. He's angry 
that the Lord Jesus' feet are getting washed. And what's his reason? You could have given this money to the poor. We're wasting your money right now washing Jesus' feet to be given to the poor. Six days later, six days later, now Jesus is washing Judas's feet. And what has Judas done? Betrayed him. For what? 30 pieces of silver. I mean, like, I, I try to get my mind wrapped around what it would be like to wash Judas's feet. Like, you know, I, I've done, like, foot washing services before, like, over the years. And it's humbling. Like, you, 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 somebody takes off their shoes, they take off their socks, and their feet are sweaty or nasty or whatever. I mean, yeah, I get that, and that's humbling. But to wash, someone's betrayed me? I think about, I can get so mad in such a hurry. I mean, I got like someone uh, a few months ago, I was in a Zoom meeting. No one knows this person, right? And they just had a disrespectful comment to me. I bit my lip. And, but then at the meeting, you know, I wanted, you know, <laughs> doing this number, you know, this is what, I didn't want to wash that person's feet. Someone cuts us off while we're driving down. You don't want to cut, wash their feet. I mean, you start going through all the people that have disrespected and hurt you and done difficult things. In that moment, we don't want to wash our feet. We want to twist our ankles. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't halfway do it, even with Judas. He washes Judas' feet with excellence. If you read John 3 and 1 again, I want you to read it and see the last part of this verse. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the what? End. After Peter denies Jesus three times, Peter, gives, Peter makes eye contact with Jesus as Jesus is on his way to the cross. When Peter looks at Jesus... Peter weeps. You know why? Even after he's denied Jesus, Jesus is loving him to the end. When Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss, I believe Jesus is loving him to the end. That's what we're called to do. We are called to serve other image bearers of God. Sometimes they're going to like saints. And sometimes they're going to be sinful and hurt us. But we're still called to serve them as Jesus has set the example for us. Now, how do we do that? How do we love people until the end? I think we have to have God's Holy Spirit. Now, it's not in the text, but if you go over to John 14, the conversation continues from where we are in John 13. And Jesus says this in John 14, 17. The Holy Spirit is with you and will be in you. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead through the resurrection of Jesus Christ when Pentecost comes now is not just with us, but he is in us. And when the Holy Spirit enters our heart, our hearts are softened. They're changed. And, we look, and the Holy Spirit opens up our eyes to the cross of Jesus Christ, what the grace and mercy and forgiveness we have received through the cross. And that leads into what? That leads into us having the ability, the power to love people in an unconditional way. And that's what makes the bride of Christ so beautiful. Is that when we not only get what Christ has done for us, but when the Spirit changes our heart and we start serving and loving people in a Christ-centered way.
It won't make sense to the world, and yet the church shines when we do it. I think about like Elizabeth Elliot. She's married to Jim Elliot in the 1950s. And Jim Elliot, they're trying to be missionaries in Ecuador. And the people they're trying to reach kill Jim Elliot. But yet Elizabeth Elliot goes back and serves these people and sees them come to Christ and continues to minister to them. How does she do that? How does she continue to go back to a group of people that killed her husband? There's only way I think I can do that is by the power, power of God's Holy Spirit being in her heart to continue to love people, and not in a conditional way, but an unconditional way. I don't know if Kyle and Molly are in here, but I've been like Kyle and Molly Jones, too, or missionaries have been sent out. Like, why do they do that? Like, why do they go uh, abandon everything and go across the world to serve? You know why? Because God's Holy Spirit has convicted them to go love and serve people across the world because they love Christ. Christ is set the example for them. I think about even our own church. We have unbelievable leadership with Brother Ricky, with Brother Corey, with the other people that work. It's awesome. But you know what also part of that leadership is? We have a group of deacons. The deacon means to serve, and they serve. These are men that truly are serving this church why? Not for fame or popularity or money. They're doing it. Why? Because they love this church and they love Christ. I think about like when our church comes together and does things like a VBS. Like you think about like all the hundreds of people, kids, uh, leaders. I mean, you've got people, people using their gifts, natural gifts, spiritual gifts, so many different. You've got people cooking. You've got security team. You've got people chasing kids all around this building. You've got people dancing on this. I mean, all this stuff is going on. No one's looking for fame or attention. Why are we doing it? Because of the unconditional love we receive from Jesus Christ. We want these kids to know who Christ is, and we love this church. I mean, we can go on and on about the different examples. Yes, the church messes up, but when we are truly serving like Jesus by the power of God's Holy Spirit, it's amazing how the church can shine. That's what we want. We want to be living not just had Jesus' example, but knowing Jesus' example by the Holy Spirit guiding and directing our hearts. But still our deserve. We still get our hands dirty. There's still Judases and people and our Peters and doubting Thomases in our life that we gotta deal with. And all the more reason as we think through that, to think through the third part. The third part is trusting our Father. Trusting our Father. You see, we want Jesus to be our example. We want Him. We want to follow Him. And we want to love and serve like He did. And that comes from God's Spirit being in our heart and being empowered by God's Spirit. But then it also means there's still hard times to occur. And when those hard times to occur, all the more reason why we've got to trust in our Father. I was reading a book on prayer, and it's done, the first chapter is talking about, it uses a, a, an example here where like a, a Christian is going to go see a Christian counselor, all right? And the Christian counselor is not going to focus on their earthly father, earthly mother, their past. All they're going to do is focus on the relationship they have with the Heavenly Father. And as they think through the relationship with the Heavenly Father, the, the conversation goes, all right, 
All right, the, the, the Christian counselor starts talking to the person, like, are you Christian? And the person says, yes, I believe in death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. I believe by grace through faith alone, all these things, and yes. And then the Christian counselor says, tell me about your relationship with your Heavenly Father. Tell me about how your communication is with him right now. And he gives, like, different examples of what people would say. Well, like, I, to be honest, I don't have very much time to talk to him. Or, like, you know, I only really talk to him when I need something. Or I have tried talking to him again and again, he just doesn't move. You know, that's a heart issue. If your heart is not right with your Heavenly Father, it's going to be hard for you to serve. And what I'm challenging you here is like, where is your heart right now with your spiritual Father, with your Heavenly Father? You might know and understand the gospel and you know your need, but there's got to be this foundational peace that you truly trust your Father. Let's go back to this passage again. What I want you to see here is how many times the word Father is used. And we're going to just go back a couple verses in John chapter 13. I mean, in John chapter 12, verse 49. Jesus is talking. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the who? The Father who sent me has given, himself, given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. So Jesus is doing what? Everything he says and speaks comes from who? His Father. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Jesus has what? He's speaking about what? Eternal life. And how is he able to speak about eternal life? Because it's, it's coming from his Father. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that hour had come, to depart out of this world to the who? To the Father. Having loved, his own, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him. Verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Here again, what's the point? Jesus, is going, his hour is coming. What's Jesus going to have to do? He's going to have to die. He's going to have to take on the sins of the world. But he also knows what? After that death, he's going to be raised from the dead. And who's he, who's he going back to? His father. There's a trust in the, As he serves and washes the disciples' feet, as he is led to the cross, as he is obedient to the cross, he continues to entrust his will to the father. Let's now go to another passage. Let's go to Philippians verses 2. And we're going to read 11 verses in there. I lost my place here. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to not only to the interest of his own interest, but also the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to regress. Verse 7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a what? Servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Here again, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient. Who's he obedient to? His father. And he's obedient to his father to the point of death, even death on a cross. But the result is what? Because he trusted his father's plan, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the, to the glory of who? This is why this relationship is so good. Jesus is obedient, and the Father lifts him up. Jesus lifts up the Father to the glory of God the Father. Jesus loves the Father more than we could possibly imagine. The Father loves Jesus more than we can possibly imagine. The reason we can say Christianity is love and God is love and he's been doing it for eternity because God has been loving for eternity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity, that had been acted, the three heads have been actively loving each other with perfection forever. And here we get the example of what this love looks like. That the Son submits to the Father, trusts in the Father's will, and so which it leads to his death, but also leads to his life and exaltation. That applies to you and it applies to me. That as we serve, there's going to be times where we are humbled. There's going to be times where it's hard. But as we serve like Jesus, we are lifted up and exalted because of what Jesus has done for us. This relationship, the more we get and understand how good our God is, the more it just changes everything. You know, there was a time a few years ago when I was just dry spiritually. I just wasn't feeling it. And I'm like, man, I'm almost like, I, gotta, I want my zeal for the Lord to come back. And I, I put myself to a test. I'm going to read the Gospel of John. And I'm just going to ask myself, is God good? And I'm going to specifically look as I read. I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to look for every time there's interaction between the Heavenly Father and Christ. And about five chapters in, like I'm sold. God really is good. And John 5, 19 through 24, I love these verses. It's talking about this father-son relationship between the Heavenly Father and the Son. And right smack dab in the middle, it's talking about how good this relationship John 5, 20 says this, For the Father loves the Son and shows him, all, shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him. Why? 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 So that you may marvel. The thought here is, God is so good. The relationship is so perfect. You know what they want? You know what he wants? The Father sends the Son to die on the cross for our sins. But you know what we do? We reject the cross. So you know what God does? Here again, Jesus, the ultimate example of service. Dying on the cross for disciples who are debating who's the greatest. Dying on the cross for disciples who deny him. Dying on the cross for disciples who can't even pray for him when he needs them to pray for him. Dying on the cross for disciples when they desert him. And you know what? We're exactly like those disciples. Each and every single one of us are. And each and every single one of us Without, we rejected Christ. So, you know, even though the Father has sent his Son to die on a cross, and even though we continue to reject, God sent his Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and he penetrates our heart for us to be able to see and understand this. And then once we see and understand it, we can't but marvel how good God is. That's the point, that despite our sin, 
despite our rebellion against God, God wants us to be adopted into his family, that we also can be sons and daughters of God, where we can hear from our Heavenly Father, he is well pleased with us. And the result of that love we have experienced from the Father's plan for what the Son has done for us by the Holy Spirit entering our heart changes our life in such a way where we cannot be still. We just have to go serve. Why? Because the love of the cross of Jesus Christ by God's Spirit being in us and by His plan affects in such a way we've got to go impact people. That's what this message, that's what the example Christ is trying to share with us. That leads into life change. You see, no matter where you are, when you get the cross of Christ and God's spirit in you and you're trusting in your heavenly father, you can't help but get your hands dirty. And that's where the challenge is this morning. What step are you going to take to go serve some folks? You know, like when I'm analyzing college students, I'm thinking head, heart, hands. All right? I want our students to be in God's Word. I don't want to know the Bible, all right? But I just don't want them to be Pharisees. I don't want them to have a bunch of head knowledge. I want that head knowledge to trickle down to their heart where it humbles them. And they live lives of holiness. It changes their character. But then I don't want to just go to their heart. I want to get to their hands, all right? They got the knowledge of Christ. Their hearts are engaged with Christ. But now I want them to be able to take steps of faith to get those hands dirty. All right, so what does that look like for us? I think it looks like in two ways. There should be in-reach and there should be outreach. In-reach. In-reach is when you come into this building, you should have a servant's heart. Now, there should be a connection and service mentality when you come in here. Ephesians 4, our church is all about Ephesians 4, meaning this. We're about preachers and teachers equipping you with God's word to be sent out. You should want to come in here to be fed. You should want to come into this building to connect with other brothers and sisters in Christ. You should. And you have opportunities on Wednesday night and Sunday morning. But because there's, but yet as you connect, there should also desire to be served. And this is what I believe. And this is what I believe the Bible teaches. God has given each and every single person in this room spiritual gifts. You need the body of Christ. And the body of Christ needs you. That each and every single week you can impact people in this building. And I think as Corey talked about organic connection, there can be organic service as well. And what I mean by that is, I heard, and I heard a pastor say this, there's a broken heart in every pew. There is. If you just look around and talk to a few people, I promise you there's some people with some problems that need to be served. I think about like the college semester. One of the blessings I have, the college semester, at the very beginning of every fall semester, we have a brand new group of college students that come from all over the place that come into this building. And I'm always trying to pick their brain on what's it like when they walk in. Think about like what's it like when you're 18 or 19 year old, you're away from home, and you're walking to church. Some of them come from a different denomination. I mean, I, 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 when I came here, I never saw someone getting baptized. I, I came the first time I, I hardened, I saw someone getting baptized. I'm like, I have no idea what's going on right now. Uh, you know, they walk in, and some of them are used to a church of 50 to 100 people, and now we've got like 1,000 people. They walk in, some of them have been hungover from a party the night before and trying not to fall asleep in the middle of the sermon. People are sometimes, they're stressed out with anxiety and depression. 
They maybe have fallen into sexual sin. And even though no one in this building knows it, when they walk in this building, they feel somehow it's magically appeared and everybody in the building is just staring at them because of what they did. But that not just applies to college students, it applies to adults as well. There's people that come into this building with hurts and pains, and not just first-time visitors, people in the congregation. I mean, if you go here long enough, you're going to eventually have a Sunday where you've got a problem, and you need to be served. And you can be a situation where you're looking at it, and the week before everything is great, you went to the doctor, and now you have cancer. And you walk in, and all of a sudden the worship is completely different from what it was the week before because you're dealing with this disease. You can put a smile on your face and you walk in and you're trying to act like everything's fine, but deep down inside you know your home is an absolute mess and your marriage is hanging on by a thread. We go on and on and on about all these different situations or different problems that people have. Here's my point. We want to come in here in this building not like customers where we just want to get fed. We want to get fed, not like customers. We want to come in like employees. No, not like employees. We want to come in as image bearers of God that have been saved by the grace of God that are ready to go serve God's people. And realizing and understanding each and every single one of us have things going on. Now, I'm not saying you can't have to serve the whole church. I am saying, just look around. I promise you, in your circle where you're sitting now, someone's got a problem. Someone has a need that you can serve. Have those spiritual antennas up. There can be organic. There are also just tons of needs. I want to give you here in a little bit a chance if you want to serve in our church. Like I looked at the list last night. There's like a slew of things that we need help with all these different ministries. I mean, First Fruits Farm right now would take this entire congregation and put you on the farm because they need that many people working on First Fruits Farm. You've got the sound team. You've got uh, media. You've got security. You've got a music team. You've got Sunday school. I mean, you've got special needs. You've got a shut-in ministry. You've got a widow ministry. We go on and on and on. There's all these different needs that you can help, that God has wired you in such a way where this here again, this church needs you. And this might be the Sunday that you're not just committing together. You're not just committing to connect with a group of people. You want to find a way to get your hands dirty. You know what Jesus has done for you. Your heart is engaged, but you need to take that step of faith. And this might be the Sunday that you really start exploring. It doesn't have to be uh, something big. It may be just something small, but you want to serve. But not just serve from an inreach, but we want to serve from an outreach. And what I mean by that is this. You are sent. You are sent to go serve. And that can look different for different folks. That might mean that you go serve your neighbor. That might mean uh, that, here again, I think about Trevor Grant, what he's been doing on Wednesday nights in the Harden community, that you just go serve. And you'd be on a Wednesday night. Instead of being in this building, you go out of this building and you go serve folks in the community of Hardin, or the community of Murray, or Benton, whatever it might be. I think about a young man that was in our ministry. Uh, it's really cool what he's doing. He's in medical school right now, and he's on the, he's on the hospital rotations, and, he, and what he does is that he's getting trained to be a doctor. But he's also, the church he's a part of has made him a deacon. 
And as one of the responsibilities that he is a deacon is that, at, is that he is supposed to serve the people in the hospital. So what he does, he gets his training to be a doctor uh, during it. But then after his shift is over, he becomes future doctor to deacon. And then what he does, he walks around the hospital, and any church member that's in the hospital, he'll go pray with them and talk with them and go serve with them. I mean, you just name it. I mean, there's just all these different ways that, I mean, here again, it is limitless the amount of opportunities that you can find a way to serve. It's just taking that step, that small step, and going serving somebody with a goal that you're sent to hopefully even sharing Christ with them. One of the ways, too, to even get more practical and more personal. A mission statement I have for my life right now is I want to live out God's calling in my life by prioritizing the roles that God has given me. I want to live out God's call in my life by prioritizing the roles God's given me. You know what this means for me? If anybody on the face of earth should see me as a servant, you know who it should be? It should be my wife, Brandy. If anybody after that should see me as a servant, you know who it should be? It should be my four children, Graham, Brax, Hannah, and Titus. If anybody should see me as a servant, it should be me being college minister of this church, that these students hopefully see I have a servant heart. Then I'm on that campus. Hopefully one of the things they say to me is not this crazy bald guy running around, but he's got a servant's heart. That wherever we go, that we've got each and every single person in this room, God has put you in positions. Whether it be your career, your neighborhood, you have ro- your family, you have roles to fulfill. And part of that role, whatever God has given you, that whoever you're interacting with, they should see you as a servant. As Christ being your example. And you see, when we're doing this, it's amazing what can happen. We start seeing the power of God move. I really believe this. Like when we're living like Jesus, by the power of God's Holy Spirit, trusting our Father, God moves. You know what I believe? The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New Testament, is the same God today. The God who parted the Red Sea, the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, can still use you and me and work through you and me and do miracles. But start, it starts with him, but it starts with us being willing to serve like Jesus. And there's going to be days when we're serving where we're not going to maybe see uh, this or that, and it's going to be monotonous. But there's going to be certain days as we continue to serve, we're going to see God be worked in mighty ways that he can only get the glory and honor. That's what we want. We want to be a part of a movement that is supernatural. And it is supernatural because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And we experience that power, and it's so worth it. And it's not just so worth it because we're a part of God who created the heavens and universe. You know what also in this passage Jesus says Later on in John chapter 13, verse 17, he talks about it's one thing to know it, but when you do it, you know what he says? When you do it, you'll be what? Blessed. You'll be blessed. I can think about how I started out this sermon. I'm saying, you want to serve, it's going to be hard, and you're going to suffer. Scott, when I was giving the point, was like, well, that's a real good intro, Chris. Uh, really encourage the church to serve. You're going to suffer, Right? And it is hard. I'm telling you, at times you're going to be dealing with some difficult people, and whether it's in the building or out the building, people sin and mess up. But it's so worth it. You're going to be blessed more than you can imagine. You know, 
I, 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 for me, like when I'm up here, like I've tried to really work on staying calm, okay? Like I'm just hyper. All right, my fourth, my Titus, he takes after me. Like his nickname right now, he's given himself is just hyper. All right, I've just got energy. Uh, it's tough for me to slow down. Uh, but like when I'm, a, when I'm a college student, that sort of lid comes off a little bit, I can just sort of go crazy. All right, and even on Sunday morning, I go, ah, you know, I'm just, and so like, and I get, when I'm around them, their energy feeds off me and so forth. And uh, just to be honest, I don't act like I'm 44. I act like I'm an idiot around them. Okay, I just do. And I remember uh, one day I was like, man, I was having a hard conversation with so-and-so, uh, somebody not from around here. And I'm like, man, like, what? Man, this, this stuff's hard. And, and I remember, like, trying to think through ministry and what's the like and so forth. And I remember I'm coming down. I'm sitting at the, I normally sit here at the 1040 service. And I hear, and I'm like, I'm dealing with this, dealing with that. And I have, like, a mob of, like, five or ten college students start imitating me and mocking me a little bit, and then they just grab me. Ah, you know, they do this thing. I mean, like, I remember thinking that moment, there's no place I'd rather be. I feel like I am called to serve this church, to disciple young 18 and 19, 20-year-old men, because I think Jesus wants me to do it, and I want this church to do it. But you know what? I'm the one that gets the biggest blessing by serving them. And I'm telling you, when you truly serve in the way the Lord wants you to serve, you're the one that's going to be getting the blessing. It's going to be so worth it. By seeing God's power move in your life, you're going to be blessed in ways that you could possibly not even imagine. And you have this hope that even in the days when the blessings are not occurring, you're going back to your Father because of what Jesus has done for you. And the Spirit's never, ever letting you go. Now, all right, so we got our head, we got our heart, we got our hands. Where are you this morning? What step of faith do you need to take? All right, so you can be in a couple different spots here. One, if you're looking, okay, hey, uh, I'm not doing a serving anything, and I don't even know if I'm a Christian. This could be the Sunday that you become a follower of Jesus Christ. You realize and understand what he's done for you. The Holy Spirit's working on your heart, and if that's you, come to Christ. And you want to come down the altar, that's great. Two, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe you just need some time talking to your Heavenly Father. That's great. You can pray, so forth. Three, you're, you, you are a member of this, you're, you want to serve in this church, great. And if that's you this morning, I want you to pray and think about how you need to be serving outreach, how you need to be serving in reach, what step of faith that you need to be taking. And then what we can do here is, is that during the song, you can text HBC Serve to 94,000, and we'll reach out to you. Corey did the connect, connect part, and we reached out to everybody who did that, and we'll reach out to you to find a way that you can serve. And I challenge you and encourage you that if you are not serving, I don't care if you feel like you don't have any gift at all, I don't care if you feel you're ill-equipped, if you are not serving, we want you to serve. And text that number, and we can find a way. But we want you to have that heart, that you have that desire to be able to do that. And third, and finally, if you're serving in reach, you're serving outreach, and you feel like you're good, great. Take some time during this last song to pray for the people you're serving in this building, 
pray for the people that you're serving outside this building. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.